I'm Dirk Hartung. And my name is Lauritz Gerlach. And this is the Legal Tech Podcast Series, an original series podcast production by Law Podcast Media. Our guest for this episode is Gizem Halis Kassab. Gizem is an academic with Ali Fuat Bashgil School of Law and a licensed attorney in Istanbul and New York. So welcome, Gizem. Hi, thank you for having me over. It's a pleasure. Let's start with a quick introduction of yourself. I think it's good if our audience gets to know you and how you actually got in contact with the topic of this episode, that is artificial intelligence in arbitration. Well, I graduated from Istanbul University School of Law in 2013. After that, I pursued my doctorate and master's degrees in the United States. During my studies, I mainly focused on international arbitration. I got my master's degree from Penn State though and my SJD from Wake Forest Law. And then in my last year during my doctor's studies, it was summer of the 2020, I was reading about AI and reading about the posts, you know, like robot arbitrators, machine arbitrators. And I just, you know, start thinking, is it really possible? And then I just keep reading and reading the subject started to become interesting to me. That's actually how I really started. So I do not have it like that data science background. I'm just a legal person in that sense, but I'm really passionate about the interplay between arbitration and technology. So I myself as a newcomer uh, trying to, you know, improve myself. So can you tell us a bit more about that process of actually getting into this very technical field with your background? You say you do not have a typical technical background, but still you've got a thorough understanding of the problem. And can you maybe tell others that want to walk down the same path what helped you gaining that understanding? I actually start with the very basic books, you know. One of them was Artificial Intelligence for Dummies, you know. It, the name goes like that. It's a very basic book. And also there's other book like AI Weirdness. I cannot remember the writer right now. But those books, like both of them are really basic. And then I started kind of understanding uh, what's the problem behind that? What's the problem with the AI? And I kind of thought that, you know, there's something going on here and there will be a lot of legal issues. So that was my main point to start with. And then, of course, Of course, at the time, there were some articles, like it wasn't that much, but some blog posts and other things discussing the topics of AI and arbitration. I started reading that too. So most of the time I actually read. I mean, uh, this is how I started. And I got some friends, they work on data science, you know, just friends. We just chat them. It's not really kind of formal chat, but we just chatted about the subject. And yeah, I mean, mostly the reading, honestly, didn't do too much because I'm an academic and I read and read and read. And I think you are right to point out that this is a very interdisciplinary field. So you actually need people from other disciplines who are experts on their own and that can help you make sense of some of it. And I like that you weren't discouraged by the fact that this was new territory for you because I believe that probably all lawyers need to learn about these topics in one way or the other. But let's turn to where your expertise is. And that is arbitration. You have stated in a recent post that COVID accelerated the digitization process in many areas, including law, and that of course includes arbitration as well. Could you shed some light on how it particularly affected the arbitration world? 
Um, yes, yes, I have stated that. There's an old adage that goes, necessity is the mother of invention, and it really is. COVID has dramatically accelerated the digitalization of arbitration process. I mean, the greater and better use of technology in arbitration was and is an ine- inevitable trend, but the current pandemic may have fast-forwarded the digitalization of arbitration. We see what might have been years of technological transformation for some taking place in a matter of days. So pandemic has brought the use of technology in legal practice to the forefront. So for example, the first thing that comes to my mind is hearings via video platforms. The pandemic has brought about an unprecedented overnight change to the hearing process, with most hearings being held either semi or fully remote. What I mean by semi-remote hearings is that these hearings use one main hearing venue and one or more remote venues. So, for example, the tribunal is assembled with the parties in Istanbul, but one of the experts testifies remotely from somewhere in Europe. So while semi-remote hearings have been regularly used in practice, this fully remote hearings where all participants are in different locations were almost unheard of before the pandemic. So to take the same example, instead of having a one hearing located in Istanbul, the arbitrators will stay wherever they are, for example, like in Istanbul, Germany, and the United States. So in this example, everybody stay in his or her office and uses the online platform to conduct the hearing and no one is traveling. So this is, of course, saves on cost and time. And since we are talking about virtual hearings, there's actually one thing I would like to add, which is WhatsApp, although it's not an arbitration tool per se. WhatsApp can effectively replace the traditional passing of post-it notes at a physical hearing. It enables work communication on the go across different time zones and relieves much of the burden caused by excessive internal email communication. And to me, another area that the pandemic has affected arbitration most in terms of digitalization is online case management systems. These platforms allow arbitrations to be conducted in a secure online environment, you know, facilitate electronic submissions and the use of electronic document management. I mean, actually, even before the pandemic, the private companies or arbitral institutions were offering a single platform for sending, storing and receiving communications. For example, on top of my head, I know the Arbitration Institute of the Stockholm Chamber of Commerce introduced the SEC platform in September 2019, which is before the pandemic. I must say that the case management systems were exceptional first, but under the circumstances of the pandemic leading to the closures of the arbitration institutions' offices worldwide, electronic submissions have started to become the default means of filing and correspondence. So the outbreak of COVID-19 has accelerated the arbitration committee's adoption of the case management systems. And this is actually really exciting because it's convenient and it reduces cost. I mean, if we think for a moment in arbitration cases, it's not unusual to sometimes have 200 exhibits or a brief of 100 pages. So to send them to each party, arbitrators and the secretariat, the council may need to multiply by five examples. And if we built on the example that we just discussed, these copies might need to be sent to arbitrators who are located in Istanbul, Germany, and the United States. And that's a lot of document to print, let alone the shipping cost. 
So case management systems also relieve councils of such tedious tasks as having to double check multiple hard copies for submission. And final thing, in addition to eliminating the time and the cost of the printing and distributing multiple copies of documentation, the case management systems also eliminate the paper shuffle wherein even the best prepared attorneys struggle to locate the relevant documents when they are mostly urgently needed. And this is also holds true for arbitrators because electronic submissions could also allow for arbitrators to focus on the arguments made through the use of hyperlinks. And because hyperlinks could act as a reference point for a document uploaded onto the platform, and in this way, arbitrators would be able to follow the development of the party's arguments on a particular issue very easily, you know, instead of interrupting their stream of thought to pull out the relevant document from a pile of hard copies. Thank you. You talked a lot about enabler technologies, process support technology, case management systems, conferencing systems, and that is a space that has seen an explosion. But what about if you go one step higher, solutions that incorporate artificial intelligence, machine learning, whatever you want to call it, in order to to answer substantive law questions? What about these solutions? What can they do in arbitration and how far can they go? I mean, AI has been widely recognized as an emerging innovation in arbitration that needs to be watched because the novel technologies that we just talked about, like online hearings, engagement and systems, these are mostly tools to streamline the arbitration process and increase the efficiency of the arbitral workflow. But AI technologies are used to enhance or support the complex cognitive work of arbitrators or lawyers. AI refers to computer software and system that learn, you know, plan, reason, and process natural language as they go rather than relying on a pre-programmed task. So I guess in simple words, AI is the science of making things smart. So let me start with the examples of products utilizing AI technologies currently being used in arbitration then I could kind of talk about how far AI could go and do in arbitration. To begin with, AI, and especially subset natural language processing, has a profound effect on legal research. Legal research firms such as LexisNexis and Westlaw have integrated machine learning and natural language processing that can analyze search terms and suggest results based on the user's query and those of users who made the similar queries in the past. AI-based legal research software, for example, can mine archives of legal precedents to find supporting documentation to bolster a legal argument. The more it's used, the more it automatically quote-unquote learns and gets smarter, which makes it faster and easier to find and digest relevant documents. The practice of international arbitration requires having a grasp of international law and several domestic legal systems at the same time. For this reason, international arbitration is a very document-intensive field of law where counsel and arbitrators need to spend countless hours on legal research or document review. Previously, AI was limited to looking for keywords, but now it can actually extract meaning from written materials, emails and voice conversation. I mean, I'm not referring to a specific product here, but natural language processing technologies can analyze and extract meaning from tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of documents that may be relevant for arbitration. For example, AI could also be programmed to recognize references to exhibits within a submission and automatically offer a hyperlink to allow easier access to the reference exhibit. 
So the most basic use of AI in arbitration is to help massive amounts of documentation that previously had to be reviewed or checked by junior lawyers. I think another important topic is predictive analytics, which use machine learning to make predictions on a set of data about the future outcomes using historical data. So in this sense, Ibilex, which is a legal tech startup, leverages AI technologies to assess clients, counseling them in making strategic decisions, say tribunal selection, by evaluating their approach and testing their approach. So it actually offers risk management by providing feedback on whether the parties should arbitrate or settle. Like Arbilex, these data-driven AI technologies can analyze arbitration decisions in order to statistically derive probabilities about how your own case is going to be decided. Against this background, it seems possible to suggest that AI designed for international arbitration will continue to rapidly improve, reaching a stage when it would be conceivable to request AI to render an award. In other words, we need to discuss the possibility of AI arbitrators replacing human arbitrators and their possible advantages and disadvantages. And this is one of the subjects I actually have written on it. I have an article coming up with the uh, Journal of Dispute Resolution of Missouri University, and its name is Can Artificial Intelligence Replace Human Arbitrators, Legal Concerns and Legal Implications? So it's definitely an exciting subject. Great. I want to ask one follow-up question, and it's about the incentives for these innovations to take hold in the market. I would like to sort of transpose an argument and a common argument that is usually made in the space of legal technology more broadly, which is that if you look at a technology that can make the rendering of legal services quicker, typically lawyers will be disincentivized to use it because they are typically paid by the hour. And if they had a magical machine that cut their hours that they can bill in half, they would be disincentivized to use it. Now, in the arbitral space, this is a very tight-knit community and it's a lot about trust. It often happens that things are arbitrated in international trade where the amount of time it takes is vital, but it doesn't really matter what it costs. How do you think these incentives align in the arbitration space, vice versa, the legal technology and classical law firm space? For arbitration, I think, I mean, it will be helpful because arbitration is really costly. And for this, it serves a very small community and it's not very diverse. You know, usually arbitrators are, I don't want to offend anyone here, but like white male and English speaking people. So if we use AI and make the cost reduced by half, it will make it possible to some people to reach arbitration, reach quick results instead of going to litigation. Because the arbitration is a very small community and and because it's really costly for some, I think using AI technologies, implementing these technologies will be really helpful to the clients. But as you said, lawyers are a little bit reluctant to use these technologies. And even if they use it, they might be reluctant to passing these savings on the clients. So one way or others, AIs are coming and they have to implement at some point. So to me, yes, AI will be started implementing, even the lawyers don't like it, I mean, the lawyers have to cut their billable hours, but they will have to do it because arbitration is really costly. So this is one of the main criticisms that the arbitrations kind of under pressure right now. 
You mentioned that more often than not, arbitration proceedings favor a particular demographic. Now, I know that there has been an analysis of arbitral awards in a paper by Malcolm Langford, Daniel Ben, and Runa Lee called The Revolving Door in International Investment Arbitration, where they found out that it is actually a small group that handles a vast majority of disputes in international investment arbitration. Do you think that something similar could be conducted in the commercial arbitration space? And do you think that these findings will influence diversity in the arbitration space in the long run? Yes, I definitely agree that AI can help diversity in arbitration because there are some AI applications that can help you selecting an arbitrator. But other than this, in investment arbitration and in international commercial arbitration, there is a very small group of people. They keep appointed to be an arbitrator because it usually goes with by a word of mouth because the records are not public. And you usually know their names by publications or through a LinkedIn or through your business contacts. So AI applications can definitely help selecting arbitrators from more diverse background. And the first thing that this diversity can help is that it should definitely reduce the cost because if you have a small group of people, their rates will be certainly higher. And second, there's a big pie and there are a lot of new arbitrators entering the market market young arbitrators, but they cannot be appointed. I mean, I just recently read a survey. I don't remember which arbitration institute is, but only the 70% of the new arbitrators appointed for that given year. And 80% of the arbitrators were appointed again and again. So that was the problem in terms of diversity in arbitration and AI could help that. Okay, so now let's break it down. Could you highlight some of the advantages and possible disadvantages of AI and arbitration? Yes. So the advantages of AI applications are enormous. I mean, first, as we discussed, AI offers the potential of predicting results in advance, including chances of success, likely cost to be incurred, and the like. And this helps reduce uncertainty in arbitration. Another advantage I could think of is that AI can complete mundane tasks by automation. So arbitrators spend a lot of time drafting standard sections of their arbitration awards, which are the parties, the procedural history, the arbitration clause, and the like. So arbitrators may save time and the parties' fees by delegating the drafting of these standard sections to an AI application. So overall, I think the biggest advantages of AI that AI is promising to correct the cost and time problem in arbitration. I mean, after all, clients will not be interested in AI for the sake of it. But as far as the disadvantage is concerned, I would like to focus on the question of whether AI will be able to replace human arbitrators and what the potential implications of such machine arbitrators will be. When I consider state of the art in AI technology, I think the major risks are arising from data issues, machine bias, the opacity of AI systems, and the absence of emotional intelligence in AI. So my first point concerns data. An AI arbitrator will need to analyze enough historical arbitral cases to form a general rule that can be applied to novel disputes. However, finding big data in the context of international arbitration is doubtful. 
magazines. Because first, international arbitral awards are rarely published, and those that are published are mostly available in a heavily redacted form. So assuming that arbitral awards are available, arbitral decision-making may still not be sufficiently high volume to make it an ideal candidate for automation with AI. For example, I've looked at the annual number of international arbitration cases filed before the leading arbitral bodies, and it's in the four digits. I mean, it's questionable as to whether the sample size is large enough to produce a reliable result because AI usually needs more data to operate optimally. And overfitting is another technical limitation. So for those who don't know, I mean, I didn't know at first, but overfitting refers to a problem when an algorithm models the training data too well. So what's happening here that algorithm learns too much about the data, including the unnecessary details in the data. So actually, I could think of a hilarious example from an experiment conducted in 2019. In this experiment, researchers trained an AI to identify a variety of images, including a tench, which is a type of large green fish. So instead of learning how to identify fish, the machine identified fingers in front of a greenish background. And why did the machine do that. I mean, if you quickly Google the world tench while, you know, listening this podcast and go to the images tab on your Google search, you see that the tench images typically featured the fish being like held of a trophy. So when the machine saw the hands and fingers, it thought it predicted fish. So, I mean, now consider this situation. What if an AI arbitrator learns to read document metadata, say the file size, and then predicts the outcome of the case based on that? I mean, the machine can learn that if the size of the word document is less than a megabyte, the seller wins. So I guess the overfitting is a problem that needs to be managed in the way of an AI arbitrator. And bias in the training data is another biggest problem. Uh, I believe. I mean, I can take a real-life example involving Amazon. I mean, recently, Amazon's recruiting algorithm penalized women applicants because most resumes submitted to the company came from men, reflecting the tech industry's current male dominance. So the algorithm thought itself that male candidates are preferable because they are higher in number. So it showed bias against women. I mean, in the arbitration context, for example, assume that there is an AI arbitrator that is trained on international sale of good cases. So if this AI arbitrator is fed a higher number of awards for sellers than buyers, it could predict the outcome of the case for the sellers. And what's more problematic here is that we may not be able to identify bias because AIs typically operate in a black box. And this makes the algorithm opaque even to its designers, much less legal professionals and laypersons. But we need to know why and how these algorithms are making specific predictions. For example, a 2016 study claimed to found racial bias in risk assessment algorithm because the algorithm produced higher false positive rates for black defendants than for white ones. Although the algorithm is told to be procedural and neutral towards white and black defendants, it still produced this biased result. And because the algorithm is acting as a black box, the researchers can naturally pinpoint where the problem arises. And moreover, because these algorithms are protected by trade secrets, the, the company is refusing to disclose the details of its algorithm, so the researchers are unable to assess the true extent of the problem. Finally, I also think that AI success in arbitration will be limited by its lack of emotional intelligence, but I would like to address 
guys later under a different question since my answer is already long enough. Okay, I'll take the opportunity to disentangle that a little bit because you have touched on so many topics. Uh, first, I think it makes sense to our audience to mention that the scenarios you have drafted are theoretical in nature, right? At this point in time, neither the technology nor the people running the process actually intend to hand an entire arbitration procedure over to a machine, unless you know of some experiments in that space. But as far as I'm aware, the technology is currently very far away from successfully and comfortably solving complex arbitration cases. So I think that's a good first thing to keep in mind. Now, you have talked about bias. And you're right to point out examples, but these examples, of course, were from different domains, right? I think that's something to keep in mind. And there's, of course, something to be done about them. Those examples that we found, people realized these mistakes, and it is quite easy to actually mitigate them. And I would assume that in a sensitive topic, such as arbitration, where much is at stake for the parties, there would probably be people monitoring the results and making sure that this technology is only used when it works as intended. Lastly, I want to touch upon that interpretability topic, because you said that it can be hard to actually understand why a model predicts a particular case in a particular way or comes to a certain decision. But what you're referring to is that we have no full understanding of the intricacies of specially deep learning approaches where we do not necessarily know how information is passed from one layer to the other and what it is that actually determines the decision in the end. We do know the outcome. And of course, we can also test our models and see whether we like the outcomes well before we actually employ them. So with all that in mind, I would think that these cases are somewhat related to generally using AI for decision making. But it would be my feeling that people would be very careful in such a sensitive area as arbitral agreements and arbitration proceedings before they make these sort of rookie mistakes. I want to provide some perspective on the black box argument, because you've said earlier that one problem that arbitration might face is a certain bias by the people that are actually making the decisions, but also a subconscious bias by things that they might not make explicit, but they'll put into their mental models. So would you say to someone that says, well, at least with the machines, we have ways of seeing the bias of working towards more transparent decision makings. With humans, this is much more difficult because we cannot look into their heads. Can we? To me, yes, we cannot look at to the human minds, but the legal framework of arbitration is designed with decision makers in mind. So deploying AI arbitrators, I mean, if and when possible, you know, without a feasible legal framework for the development, design and application of artificial intelligence in arbitration, since we are talking about that, it will be certainly tarnish the arbitration's reputation and eviscerate its real meaning. So at this point, I can only advocate for an in-depth analysis of the use of AI in arbitration. As you said, those are maybe rookie mistakes for some, but arbitration is a very important subject. You know, there are really high value disputes and arbitrators need to ensure the accountability and fairness and protect the legitimacy of arbitral process. And if we include the AI, we need to make sure that we can protect the legitimacy of process in the eyes of the prospective party 
parties and national courts. So if and when AI arbitrators will be deployed, even those rookie mistakes, even those that can be identified, we need to make sure that those will be handled and they will be human in the loop so that we can make sure that arbitration is still legitimate. Because arbitration is an alternative dispute resolution. It's not litigation. Because the arbitration is alternative dispute resolution, it depends on the party's agreement. It's not like litigation. So we need to protect the legitimacy of it. I would like to ask one follow-up on that to better understand where we are in the process of adoption. Because I agree with you that we have to make sure that the parties trust the process and trust the results because that is vital for them to continue to engage in arbitration for their disputes. Are you aware of experiments or projects where we're already using these decisions or is that a mere thought about the future but not immediately happening? I know some studies, they are not directed to the arbitration, but there are some studies predicting the decisions of the U.S. Supreme Court or European Court of Human Rights. So these are usually employed in the field of litigation, not arbitration. And those are usually in working on the decisions of the higher courts, not lower courts. So I don't think there is any available studies in the field of arbitration. I know some of them in construction arbitration, but it's a very small field of law and I don't think it's readily adaptable to international arbitration. I see. I think I would like to point out that the studies you mentioned do not necessarily have the goal of actually making decisions, but the publications on the U.S. Supreme Court, on the European Court of Human Rights or the European Court of Justice, most of the time they take past cases or parts of those cases and sometimes meta information and then try to see whether computers can actually determine the right outcome based on past decisions. So those are working examples to show what computers can do, but they're not used or intended to actually make decisions because that is a much more difficult problem. And as you rightfully pointed out, would probably lead to distrust or more questions. And I think we're just not as a society, as a global community, we're probably not there yet that we would have cases at that level being decided by machines. So the technology is developed But it's a long journey, in, in my personal opinion. I would like to pick up your distinction to litigation, because you said this is not litigation. It relies on trust. Where do you see the difference to litigation? And do you think that there might also be a perspective under which artificial intelligence is easier to be used in arbitration than in litigation? And why would that be? That's a good question. And my answer is yes and no. It's a yes because it's the party's will that allows for quick adjustments and adaptations, which opens the door to use technology and to keep the digital transformation moving forward. And party autonomy is the linchpin of arbitration. And so arbitration is a private process that the parties can structure as they see fit. When choosing to arbitrate a current or future dispute instead of ordinary court proceedings, the party's autonomy and procedural flexibility in conducting arbitration are key factors why the parties favor arbitration over ordinary court proceedings. In the face of the law struggle to keep up with technology, I think this principle is of crucial importance, at least where there are legal lacunae in regarding 
who and what can act as an arbitrator or which AI application can be used in arbitration. When we turn to litigation, it isn't clear how widespread the use of AI in the courts will be, in part because the courts at all levels have been quite slow to embrace any new technology. Judges and courts are not built in a way due to lack of competition when we compare it with arbitration. And there is also a clear regulatory vacuum with respect to the application of AI in litigation. And it's not clear how to best to fill this gap. Also, many of the older generation of judges don't think they need to learn about technology and they often use their age and experience as an excuse to not to learn about it. And another problem on the litigation side that some states cannot sufficiently fund the judiciary. Insufficient allocations, poor planning, and underutilization of funds impact the ability of the justice system. And this is kind of a paradox because the issue of budget inadequacy coexists with the problem of underutilization of funds. So even if funds are made available, they might be earmarked for specific expenditures. For example, they can only be used for infrastructure, but they cannot be used for implementing AI applications, which actually could help streamline the course in ways that would benefit all parties. But my answer is also no, because if we specifically look at the judicial decision prediction studies involving the use of AI that we just mentioned, these AI models have usually been deployed to predict international or Supreme Court decisions, like the European Court of Human Rights or the US Supreme Court. So these models are basically trained to predict as to whether lower court's decision is reversed or affirmed. However, arbitration by its nature, it's similar to the trial court litigation. It's more fact-driven, it's resolving both factual and legal disputes as opposed to reviewing the decision of another court or tribunal. And moreover, the disputes in arbitration, especially in international arbitration, tend to involve complicated matters of fact and law that can be difficult to map into a binary outcome model. So I think the applicability of these studies remains limited at the moment. And the studies analyzing the lower court decisions should come to the forefront. Another challenge in terms of arbitration is that, as I said earlier, international arbitral awards are rarely published. Those that are published are just available in a heavily redacted form, whereas court records are open to public. So when compared with litigation, access to arbitral awards and materials is severely limited. And so compiling a large data set of arbitral awards will be challenging. Absolutely. Let's talk a bit about the regulatory framework. Are there any restrictions under any applicable laws that you know of regarding the use of artificial intelligence and learning algorithms in arbitration that you are currently aware of? I think a good starting point will be to ask the most basic question, whether or not machines are eligible to sit as arbitrators under current arbitration legislation. So in other words, are there express provisions concerning any mandatory human qualities of arbitrators? If you look at the New York Convention on the Enforcement of Arbitral Awards, AI arbitrators could technically issue an award that can be recognized or enforced under the convention because there is no explicit or implicit restrictions against the AI arbitrators in the wording. The convention does not provide or imply that the arbitrators must be human beings. It just simply refers to the arbitrator as an appointee that makes an award. I mean, of course, this issue was not envisioned as a possibility at the time of the drafting, but nonetheless, this will eventually depend on how courts 
courts come down on the issue and the extent to which they adapt the pro-arbitration approach. And I guess for this reason, we need to survey the national arbitration laws. And I actually did that. And in the first group of national laws, I found that the arbitrator is explicitly required to be a national person with full capacity as opposed to being a legal person. And the most notable standards are set by French Code of Civil Procedure, Dutch Code of Civil Procedure, and the Portuguese Voluntary Arbitration Law. And all of which stipulate that only a natural person or individuals can act as an arbitrator. In including outright restrictions, these laws take a strict position and make clear that AI cannot act as an arbitrator. In the second group of laws, they do not explicitly state that arbitrators must be human beings, but envision them as such by requiring standards that only a human can meet or attribute certain characteristics that are exclusive to human beings. For example, the arbitration laws of China, Indonesia, Vietnam, they all require an arbitrator to have a certain number of years of experience as a judge or lawyer or have a specialized knowledge on the relevant topic. And similarly, the international arbitration laws of Egypt, Finland, Italy, and I guess, yeah, Sweden, they simply specify the capacity an arbitrator must exhibit. So these laws require that arbitrator must have full capacity or at least is not a minor, a bankrupt, or incapacitated. The necessary skills and abilities attributed to arbitrators under these laws suggest strongly that an arbitrator should be a human being. And the final group of laws offer the legal detailed stipulation as to the human requisites of arbitrators. Similar to the second group, these laws presume that the arbitrator is a natural person, so refers to arbitrators using gender pronouns. What is different here is that to act as an arbitrator, they do not bring qualifying standards that need to be met by a human. So, for example, the Ustra model law, which may countries have adopted either verbatim or aligned with in spirit, refers to arbitrators Arbitrators using gender pronouns such as him and his. And also the English Arbitration Act assumes that an arbitrator is mortal because it stipulates that arbitrator's authority seizes on his death. So when compared with the second group, I guess these standards seem to be more lenient as they do not establish benchmarks. And this lacuna opens the possibility for AI to act as an arbitrator in the future, given that there is no strict requirement that an arbitrator be a natural person. And leaving the question of AI arbitrators aside, I think AI rendered arbitral awards could face a certain question, if not challenges, based on, based on the due process violations, if AI causes arbitral procedure to suffer from serious irregularities. So, I guess in this sense, the first issue I would like to touch on is impartiality. As I stated earlier, the bias in the training data as well as the design of the algorithm can cause AI algorithms to be biased. So courts may refuse to enforce the award if the award is not rendered by an impartial AI algorithm. However, the problem here is that identifying the 
bias, and which brings me to the black box problem. And even though the algorithm can predict the outcome with a high degree of accuracy, it cannot provide reasons in a conventional sense. I mean, even if it does, it will be unsatisfying in most legal contexts to explain a prediction generally by referencing the scientific steps taken by an algorithm to reach it. So, in effect, the courts may well set aside or refuse to enforce an award produced by an AI where an AI application used on the grounds of insufficient or absent reasoning. And final thing that I could think of in terms of restrictions is the lack of emotional intelligence and common sense. They may need to non-enforcement as well. The parties may wish to be heard by an arbitrator who has effective communicative skills and can show empathy, both of which require emotional intelligence. And because human arbitrators use their common sense reasoning to resolve the dispute, but AI arbitrators might fall short on that and I mean in the current stage of technology. If the AI arbitrator is insufficiently capable of grasping of the fact of a case and exercise common sense knowledge and reasoning, they are unlikely to hear the cases properly. After all, parties should be able to present their cases and have the opportunity to be heard. And otherwise, the award runs the risk of being set aside or not enforced. I would like to weigh in for a second, again, reminding people that there is quite some work on explainability and transparency of these models. There is computer science approaches and actually results on how we can circumvent the black box problem, if that is what people are interested in. Most of the time when talking about predictive models, explainability is not that important for the people in the research community that work with them because they care about the actual power of the model. But if explainability becomes important, one can optimize for that and use different procedures Some of the smartest people in the world, by the way, are working on that. So there are ways of actually understanding why a particular decision was taken. But I agree that with your result that we probably won't be seeing AI arbitrators anytime soon. I'm not 100% sure on the reasons because many of these stem from the fact that computers aren't humans. One could just as well argue that an award needs to be signed. And since a computer can't actually move an arm and present a signature, that could lead to problems with enforcement. So I I think to rephrase the question is if human arbitrators use artificial intelligence tools to arrive at their arbitral awards, would you see any reasons from a legal perspective why this result should not be allowed? I think that's the more realistic perspective where we don't have machines making these decisions, but augmented arbitrators helping the parties and making, for example, sense of vast amount of facts through machine learning tools that help them identify the right documents or something like that. Yes, definitely the scenario that we'll be encountering soon and maybe even now. As I stated earlier, the arbitration is based on the freedom of contract and the party autonomy. As soon as parties are agreed on that, agreed that an AI application will be used or say that the standard clauses of the arbitral award is written by, filled by an AI application and the parties are okay with it, it will be fine. And I don't think the courts will reverse that. Courts will vacate or not enforce that arbitration award based on the use of the AI applications. I guess the problem starts if the courts are not very pro-arbitration, if those jurisdictions are not really welcoming arbitration, they can use AI as an excuse. As I stated earlier, on the grounds of due process or lack of reasoning. So it's definitely down to the courts at this point, whether they will be welcoming or whether they will be just not accept these AI applications. 
Thanks for illuminating that. And I want to close this out. I think we're well within our time and I want to end with a question on, and I think this is equally interesting to all three of us here because we are all academics at law schools. I would like to ask a question about education because the combination of these advances in machine learning and artificial intelligence and law mean new career plans for many law students and young lawyers. So do you have any advice for those who would like to enter this field and on how they can learn about it and how they can network and find out about people in this sphere? Yes, as I stated earlier, I'm a newcomer too, so I will share my ways at least. I agree that lay or legal users may find AI algorithms complex, but lawyers need to grasp at least the basic terminology and have an understanding of how the algorithms work if they are to analyze the legal implications for using such algorithms. So I think the most important barrier is technical illiteracy, and this stems from the fact that the design of the algorithms and the writing of called are specialized skills that are not usually shared by lawyers and judges. And the syntax of programming languages differs from that of human languages. So I think anyone who aims to make a difference in legal tech law should have a basic understanding of how to code. And it's essential that future lawyers can grasp the evolving technology around them and how it can apply to legal services. I mean, we as lawyers may not be comfortable with our own incompetence, but it's better to know what you know and what you don't. And so if you're truly behind, I think it's better to start with simple tools that you use daily to keep the training approachable. For example, Microsoft Word or Excel. And many software providers like such as Microsoft provide online training modules on their websites for free. And after that, you can move on to AI technologies. And also cultural and emotional intelligence, I believe they will be crucial skills in attracting and retaining clients as automation tools are becoming normalized. I think working on our emotional intelligence skills is something that could make a difference. And I also believe that as the litigation and or arbitration processes become more streamlined, we will most likely see a shift towards specialist lawyers who could provide custom solutions for clients that require some more than a cookie-cut response. So overall, if you have an internet connection, there are endless ways to educate yourself about legal technology. Take the time to attend conferences, read blogs and articles, watch webinars about useful legal tools and technologies. And finally, although this is not a legal tech advice per se, I think sales and marketing skills are essential for young lawyers to make the public aware of their technology skills. Thank you. I would also like to use this opportunity for a shameless plug. If you want to learn more about legal technology and legal innovation, you can check out our series Legal Tech Essentials at bootsayu.us slash essentials. But that's now, now the plug is over. I also wanted to weigh in on the age old should lawyers learn how to code debate. I don't want to bring that up again in detail, but I wanted to point out a fact that our friend Dan Katz made the other day about it really being a continuum and a spectrum of it's not like you either know how to code or you don't. And for that, I would recommend everyone should read the essay by Peter Norvig, who is one of the pioneers in the artificial intelligence space, who was also one of the founders of the AI class that eventually launched Coursera and who worked at Google, amongst other things. And he wrote this great essay I recommend you read, which is called Teach Yourself Programming in 10 Years. And it talks about how it's really a very long journey. And I think that's the case with any field. And I think that's all we have time for today. Dirk, do you have anything else to add? 
Yes, I do. I want to thank you. But before all, I want to thank Izem. It has been a pleasure talking to you. It has been a pleasure discussing these topics, learning more about the fascinating world of arbitration and how technology can make a change there. We were privileged to have you. And I think that concludes our episode for this time. Thank you very much for having me over. I mean, thank you for this opportunity. I really had a great time here. Thank you. 